Y'all, let me tell y'all, skip the pleasantries. I don't know when the last time I was this excited to do a show. Oh my goodness, what a phenomenal week in the world of sports. Y'all know who I am. I'm Armand Lee. This is the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 203. Yada, 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 bang, bang, bang. Slim, what a phenomenal week of sports. I'm so excited to get to talk to you guys about all of the things that has happened particularly Kyrie Irving and the mess that he finds himself in, but more important, the mess the Brooklyn Nets now find themselves in. It's a phenomenal discussion. There's some, there's a mea culpa on my side. I will be offering up a potential, my bad, to one NBA team specifically and how it all relates to Kyrie Irving and this mass hysteria regarding this anti-vax position. We're going to break down that. We're going to break down the NFL, but y'all know damn well where we starting, baby. What a phenomenal night in the world of boxing. So much to get to. It's our number one topic this week. First quarter. If I have said it once, I know I've said it a million times, but it, it brings so true. When boxing gets it right, when boxing gets it right, and that's a huge but, that's a huge qualifier. You feel me? Because far too often, they don't. But when they do, there's nothing better. There is no sport that can touch boxing when boxing gets it right. It. Shout out to my guy, Wood from Bite Down, Bite Down Boxing and... Um, it's always personal podcast. Matter of fact, make sure you guys download, subscribe, and leave a review right now. If you are a fan of boxing, but if you're a fan of just kind of like intelligent conversation, mature adult, like real conversations, music, boxing, whatever, man, make sure I go down there. Check my brother out, man. It's a, it's always personal podcast. Um, and if you're big on YouTube, make sure you check out the, the bite down boxing uh, page as well. But, I was honored to be on his show this past weekend. And we were talking about, you know, boxing in general and how like, man, like boxing too often gets in their own way. Now, look, I'm not a big uh, MMA guy. I don't watch it. It's no knock on anybody. It's just not for me. And there are a lot of funny business. There's a lot of funny business when it comes to the payday, when it comes to these fighters. So I'm all for fighters getting their money, I get it. Like every time you practice in boxing, a little bit of you doesn't come with you when you leave that ring, right? Like it's it's legit, it's real. So I'm always gonna be for these athletes getting as much money as they can. But if boxing had a Dana White, like a boxing czar or someone who were like, hey, these are the fights we're going to get. It's going to do wonders. It'll do wonders. Saturday night, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. And there's so many ways I want to go as it pertains to Wilder Fury, the ramifications moving forward, some of the stuff that clearly was propaganda if you look back now. And I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my time. Typically, I, I save the boxing 
quarters for a little later in the show because I know a lot of you guys don't watch boxing. But a lot of you all who say you don't like watching boxing or not a fans of boxing, y'all was talking on Saturday. I was reading the tweets and there's a whole, all of this kind of plays a part. So I'm going to take my time, right? Humor me, if you will. I guess the first takeaway that I have of Saturday is that, yes, when boxing is right, I don't know of a sport that can match it. Make no mistake, the hyperbole has been through the roof. Saturday night, people were saying it's the greatest. Was it Dan Raphael was like, this is the greatest heavyweight fight I've seen in 57 years. All right, well, come on. 57 years is a long time, bro. Like, think of some of those Ali, you know, understand what I'm saying? Let's chill. Let's chill a bit. Let's just chill. But it was fun. It was a fun night. You saw heavyweights go at it. And when heavyweights go at it, you, you people want to see knockdowns. We saw a knockdown. We saw a dramatic conclusion. I didn't necessarily, like, I don't necessarily believe this was a great fight. You know what I mean? It was fun. It was exciting. The boxing fan in me looks at what happened Saturday night, and I was like, ugh. I didn't, I didn't leave Saturday night feeling as confident about Tyson Fury as I did their second fight. I didn't, I didn't watch that fight. And say, oh, man, Tyson Fury looks so much. He looks, and this is going to be another avenue that we're going to have. One of the biggest talking points out of Saturday was, oh my gosh, look how amazing Tyson Fury is. Look how great Tyson Fury is. And make no mistake, Tyson Fury is a phenomenal heavyweight. Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the division. Tyson Fury is probably one of the five best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. And I say probably, and we're going to get to that a little bit later too, because your reference point matters. If I'm at the pool and I'm not that great of a swimmer and I don't look at the the marks across the pool and I just jump in and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I can, I can, this is five feet. I'm tall enough so I can maneuver in here. And as I keep going without knowing that it's a pool that goes down to 10 feet, I could be in, I'm in some trouble. Because you, did not, you don't have a reference point of knowing how deep the water is. You feel me? Now, if I'm a phenomenal swimmer, it doesn't matter where I jump in. Because I and I know that if I'm, a, if I'm not a good swimmer and I look and see, okay, this is 10 feet. Okay, I need to go somewhere else. I don't need to be jumping in at this. You understand what I'm saying? Where you see, where you start your inception, your reference point matters. It's like when they talk about well, if you have a scale, you got to calibrate it first, right? Because it... If, if it's all off, you could think, you may look at the scale like, oh, man, look, I lost a lot of weight. Don't matter if it's off, if it hasn't been calibrated, if the reference point is off. Why do I say this? Tyson Fury is a phenomenal boxer. Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in that division. Bong. But I can't look at these last three fights from Tyson Fury and then come away with he's the best heavyweight in his generation. He's some of the stuff that I've heard some of y'all say, he's 
without a doubt the best heavyweight and it's not even close. I've seen people get that off. It's not even close. And I'm just thinking, you must have only seen Tyson Fury fight Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder must be your reference point for Tyson Fury. And if that's the case, you need to recalibrate a bit. You may ask, why am I talking like this? Man, he just knocked out Deontay Wilder. He beat Deontay Wilder up. And you just told us he fought three times. Armand, last week I heard you say they fought three times and, and Fury beat him all three times. Yeah, I still stand by that. But what it's important for everyone to understand when you get these takes off about this fight, about boxing, about the heavyweight division, is that I've told you consistently for four plus years now, man. For four going on five years, Deontay Wilder is all sizzle. No stake. Deontay Wilder is all fireworks. No foundation. Deontay Wilder is all hype. If one of the biggest talking points from last Saturday is, man, that was a hell of a fight. Look at the heart of Deontay Wilder. If the biggest takeaway from Saturday night in the ring was then, look at the heart Deontay Wilder showed. That has nothing to do with skill. That has nothing to do with technical prowess. That has nothing to do with fundamentals, power. It's literally just the ability to take a beating. That's what we saw from Deontay Wilder. And honestly, truth be told, that corner probably cost him God knows how many fights because that fight should have been stopped long before he knocked him out. And he probably, and you know, it's easy to get caught up in the bravado and the machismo. I'm going to, I want to die. I want to go out on my shield. All this dumb shit that Deontay Wilder has said over the years. I want to kill a man in the ring. I'm really big on, and I tell my daughter this all the time. It was, I'm fortunate enough to have had an amazing father to, to, to teach me this as well. Choose your words carefully, man. Deontay Wilder is 36. He's got a beautiful daughter. He's got an entire life to lead. He's so young. And you talk like that. And you see the beating he took. Like, why would you want that energy to, to just to even be near you? We can have that conversation at another time. Because, look, I can tell that this first quarter is going to be long, a long one. Okay, but I don't want to get into the metaphysical realm of Deontay Wilder and the words he chooses. Bottom line is, that was a fight, and this is why I'm so hesitant when I say this is a great fight, or when I hear the hype, the hyperbole about how great this fight was and it's all time. It was an entertaining fight, and of this heavyweight era, it's one of the best. But I'm gonna ask you a question for those of you who watched the fight. Outside of the fourth round, was there ever a moment where you thought that this result was in question? Was there ever a moment with the exception of one round where you were like, oh my goodness, I don't know who's going to win. I told you guys for weeks what was going to happen. 
These, this was the, the third time these two men have fought. The first time, Fury was coming off of, you know, a, a pretty prolonged absence. He had two warm-up fights, but nothing, no one of note. And we're going to pin that. I want you to remember, pin that right there. We're coming back to that. But of no one of note. But then he gets in there with Wilder. And he boxes circles around him. Tyson Fury gets dropped twice. And after each knockdown, he gets up and fights better. The 12th round knockdown was insane. It should have never happened. Fury literally was just careless. He goes down, gets up, and then starts beating on Wilder's ass. That's how the first fight ends. It ends in a draw. I don't care what y'all say. That was not a draw. Tyson Fury won the first fight. I think it's pretty obvious. That was the best Deontay Wilder had. They fight the rematch right before COVID. Wilder beats the dog shit out of Tyson. Or I'm sorry. Tyson Fury beats the dog shit out of Deontay Wilder. Just beats the living mess out of him. Deontay Wilder comes from, leaves that fight with excuse after excuse. He, the, his corner, the one person in his corner who was looking to protect him, he blames. Lord, I hope we don't come 20 years from now looking back at this fight, October 9th, 2021, thinking, man, I wish his corner would have thrown, thrown in the towel earlier. Because you can, you already know what happened. He probably told everyone that's going to don't throw the towel in. No matter what happens. I'll, all this machismo. I want to go out on my shit. All this stuff. No, man. God bless Deontay Wilder. He has the heart of a lion. We knew that, though. If you didn't see that after the second fight, I don't know what to tell you. Deontay Wilder, when it comes to being in that ring, from a heart perspective, just going out. He's built different. But that's not something that, if that's the biggest takeaway from the fight, that, that tells you something. If you left that fight and the, one of the first three things that come to mind is, man, Deontay Wilder, he took a beating, but he's a champ. He's got a championship heart. That just means he got his ass kicked. <laughs> okay? That's all that means. I'm willing to say, I remember when Vlad fought AJ in Wembley Stadium, the whole spectacle. That fight, I would say, was better than what we saw this past Saturday. And I say that because there were legit momentum swings. Not just momentum swings, because there were momentum swings in this fight. But there was a real time. I did not know who was going to win that fight. The beginning of the fight, I was like, oh man, AJ's coming. And then Vlad showed the heart of a champion, but not just the heart of a champion because he dropped AJ but because it looked like he was going to get AJ out of there. And that lasted more than one round. There was a prolonged period of time in that fight where it looked like Vlad was going to get AJ out of there. And the, the result was very much in question. The result was never in question with the exception of the fourth round. So why I like Vlad AJ, and I'm not saying that's the only fight that's been better heavyweight, but it's the most recent. And it's one that I think is like, a clear point. There was a strategic game of chess going on between both fighters and their corners. There were adjustments being made, right? 
There were traps being set. None of that happened on Saturday. <laughs> that joke was just two guys brawling. Wilder came in and give him credit that first round. He worked the body. He looked like he had a plan. That shit was long gone. And going back to my point about reference. If you believe that Deontay Wilder is this hell of a heavyweight champion, one of the best heavyweights in the world, then yeah, if you see Tyson Fury do that to a guy you believe to be the best, well, yeah, you're going to look at him like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. He's great. But my whole point to y'all for years is to tell you, Deontay Wilder is, is smoking mirrors. Y'all took the bait. Deontay Wilder was knocking out Bamas who had no business being in championship fights. Slim, he fought Chris Ariola twice and the two times, it was in the span of like six or seven years. Chris Ariola. I'm, I'll be 39 in December. I remember people talking about Chris Ariola and watching him on HBO Boxing when I was in college. And then he fought him six years go by. He fought him again. Here's the question. And Lord knows, there's so many Deontay Wilder stands out there. And I get it. I get it. There's a little bit of a patriot or national pride. There's a bit of uh, cultural pride. And that was something I didn't necessarily like because it was it was always made a race thing, right? Like the black guy versus the white European. And that's like, nah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You you selling yourself short. If you button putting all of this hope and pride into somebody who clearly ain't worth it. And that's not me being too harsh. I hope that doesn't come off as a hate. But I'm I, I talked about the Deontay Water enough on this show for you guys to understand why. I was I was disappointed in Wilder, right? Had all the physical tools and never really took the craft seriously. I I can never get behind people like that. But again, for all the Wilder stands out there, or for all the people who don't know any better, right? And you listen to first take or whatever, because everybody wants to be Customado right before a big time heavyweight showdown, right? Right before Floyd or Wilder fight, or any type of the big names fight. Everybody wants to be a boxing expert. Just out of the woodwork, they just come out. And it's interesting, but whatever. So all of you boxing experts and Deontay Wilder stands and, and the people who are just casual listeners, and maybe you saw the fight on Saturday and you're like, man, that was really entertaining. Let me ask you this. Name me two fighters worth the damn that Deontay Wilder has beat. And I will spot you, Luis Ortiz. This man is what? Fought like 45 fights, I think. Tell me the heavyweight that Deontay Wilder has beat who is worth the damn outside of Luis Ortiz. You just have to name one. You can't do it. You cannot do it. He hasn't fought anybody. And God bless Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz is a talented, very, very talented, very skilled boxer. But you take a look at Luis Ortiz and you can tell two things relatively quickly. Number one, he's old. Number two, he's not in the best condition. So it is not a big surprise 
that both fights versus Luis Ortiz went the way they did. Ortiz dominates the early part of the fight. He gets tired. Head stops moving. He's not as active on his toes. He gets sloppy. He gets lazy. Deontay Wilder puts him down in the seventh, eighth round. Like, the both fights were the same fight. And that's not to take anything away from Deontay Wilder. He's got those two wins, which are very, very good wins. Name me one other fighter worth the damn that Deontay Wilder has beaten. You can't do it. So many people, and it's because, let me talk my shit, man. This, again, this is going to be a long quote. In America, we just aren't a very smart boxing audience by and large. And a lot of it's because we don't give it attention. We don't care. The Mexican-American audience is phenomenal, but we, we want to disassociate with them. There is a strong African-American boxing uh, fandom in the country, but because there's so little, right? I don't want to say this. Well, in the heavyweight division, there's so few dominant black heavyweights we all kind of just latched on to Deontay. And I wanted to do it too. Early on in his career, I was like, oh man, yes, finally. Right? It was, it were both click shows, Vitaly and Vlad. Before that, it was Lennox. It had been so long. Roy was there, but Roy didn't really count. You know what I mean? It had been so long. So we just wanted someone. But then really quickly after you saw Wilder in his earlier days fight a few times, you're like, okay, well, this guy's not getting better. And it was clear that he needed improvement. We all see it now. Y'all motherfuckers, it's the Captain Obvious. I saw so many tweets Saturday night. Oh, man, damn, Deontay Wilder just can't box. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That shit been this way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's been this way. He can't box. He can't get punches off. He can't string punches together. Doesn't know how to cut the ring off. Doesn't know how to faint. Very rarely will he work the body. Punches come from way from the side and from the back. Haymakers. Just all of these things that have been clear. I say all of that to say, if that's the reference point, it's easy to get caught up in the fireworks and the hype and the sizzle of Deontay Wilder. But when you just scratch the surface just a bit and you look beyond the propaganda and you look beyond the kind of pride in your tribe, if you will, and you just watch the fights and look at the caliber of opponents that he typically gets in the ring with, you realize very quickly, okay, well, Deontay Wilder is not this super, Superman that he's being propped up to be. In addition to the the real lens in which we all should have viewed Deontay Wilder. Let's also take a very, very close look at Tyson Fury. I told you guys to put a pin in the, the two warm-up fights before Fury fought Wilder after his prolonged absence. One of them was against Otto Whalen. I believe Whalen, right? Otto Whalen, Otto Whalen. We haven't seen any, we didn't see any of that shit. Any of this from Tyson Fury that we've seen these last three fights, we didn't see it back then. The best fighter that Fury has fought 
still to this point was Vlad. Vladimir Klitschko is still the best opponent that Tyson Fury has fought. Tyson Fury didn't look nowhere as good as has he looked against Deontay Wilder in either of those fights, in any three of those fights, the way he looked against Vladimir Klitschko. Vladimir, he, he was not this greatest heavyweight of all time. Like, you would have, if you saw the Fury-Vlad fight, you would have never left that fight thinking that Tyson Fury is the greatest heavyweight of his generation. And don't get me wrong, Fury boxed an excellent fight against Vlad. But he didn't look like this. So what does that tell you? Because I know what it tells me. It tells me I know Tyson Fury is a hell of a fighter. I know Tyson Fury is a hell of a boxer. And I know or I believe that Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the division. But I'm not going to use what I saw these last three fights versus a fighter who I know to be flawed. A fighter that I know has never been in there versus consistent competition, top flight competition. I can't base my opinion on Tyson Fury solely on three times beating up on Deontay Wilder. He's a one trick pony. After the first fight, Deontay Wilder dropped Tyson Fury two times. And we all know when you fight Wilder, he'll even tell you, you got to be great for 12 rounds against me. I only got to be great for two seconds. Okay, well, guess what happened? You dropped this man twice in the first fight, dropped him twice in one round in this last fight, and he got up each time. The moment he got up in that 12th round, I was like, okay, Wilder can't beat him. I knew it. Because Deontay Wilder has built his entire career, his entire reputation, easy for me to say, about having this amazing right hand. And he does. But if that's all you have and someone eats it, well, then there's a reason why Tyson Fury changed his entire style versus Deontay Wilder after that first fight. He was like, I'm going to knock this dude out now. He took the best shot this dude had, got up, and then fought better. Second fight, beat the mess out of him because he knew it. He can't capitalize. In this last fight, this last fight, the fourth round, Deontay Wilder drops him twice. Fury's on Dream Street, but he gets up, leans on him. And this is another thing. And this is another reason why I have so much pause when so many of you guys are willing to crown Fury the best heavyweight in this division. I do not know if, if Tyson Fury can beat Anthony Joshua. I am not convinced in the slightest he can beat Olizena Usyk. And I will tell you why. Tyson Fury came into this fight listed at 280-something, probably was in there at 300. And the man he's fighting, who's clearly in much better, at least shape from a cosmetic standpoint, and just looking, he's gassed. In the third round. How on earth is Deontay Wilder so tired so early? Gassed. So gassed that when he does land in the fourth round twice, he can't put anything together to get him out of there in the fifth. And then in the fifth, Fury beats his ass up some more. 
And it just goes on until the 11th when it's ended. It was clear. That fight last Saturday was not a matter of who was going to win. That fight really quickly turned into, would Deontay Wilder be able to finish this fight? Give him credit. He wasn't running. He was he was trying his best. But what the fuck is that? Hey, bro, you got your ass whooped, but you ain't run away from a whooping. You took your whooping like... That ain't... That's basically what we've reduced Deontay Wilder's, you know, uh, accolades to. And man, you got your ass whooped, but you ain't run from it. No. <laughs> no. This man was gassed early in the fight. He had no idea, no way, had no clue on how to string fights or punches together. So when he did get him in hurt and in trouble, it's not just throw this one right and then back off. Nope. There's nothing there. If you think, I'm being dead ass serious now. If you think Tyson Fury goes into the ring against a potential Alexander Usyk at 280, 290, you are out of your damn mind. Usyk will box circles around uh, Fury if he tries that shit that he did against Wilder. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not convinced at all Fury beats Usyk. Because Tyson Fury ain't this young pup either. He's going to have to cut a lot of weight to get in there with Usyk, in my opinion. We'll see. He got Sugar Hill in his corner. Maybe they got some super... Super plan, strategy, whatever, whatever. I could be wrong, but this is what my eyes see. I see a man who's going to struggle to get get down, to get into a, a legit competitive weight against Usyk. And then he's not going to be anywhere close to being the fighter that he needs to be to be a boxer the caliber of Usyk. <clears throat> That's what I feel. That's against an Usyk. I don't think Tyson Fury can get in there at 290, 300, 280, whatever he was, the way he was. He, he's not going to be able to fight him the way he fought Wilder. If he has to fight AJ, AJ is a little different because AJ has the power. It's just a matter of does his corner trust him to, to take it there? AJ is not the type of fighter like Wilder. AJ can string punches together. AJ can have, use his movement. He's chinny. But you know what? Matter of fact, let's talk about this chinny shit too. Because all of this is cooked up in the same pot. It's a big pot of, of propaganda gumbo, if you will. Right? Anthony Joshua, we all know, he's got the best resume of anybody in that heavyweight division. Nobody at heavyweight has fought the fighters consistently of that standard that Anthony Joshua has. I don't think that's can that can't be argued. Right? You know, boxing fans are funny. You'll hear the the analysts and the reporters and the play-by-play guys say, man, you know, we just wish the best boxers get in. Who cares about your win-loss record? Just get in there with the best. Anthony Joshua does that. And because he's lost twice, we look at him, oh, Anthony Joshua, he's chinny. He doesn't have heart. He doesn't want it. Blah, 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 blah. Anthony Joshua's been put down on the canvas multiple times. Absolutely. 
but so too has Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury has been put down four times in three fights versus the same guy, the same guy who really doesn't have a resume. The guy who can't string punches together, the guy who doesn't know how to set up a punch, doesn't faint at all, doesn't, his footwork is sloppy. He's been put down four times by him. He's got put down before he fought Wilder too, but shh, we ain't talking about that. But nobody talks about Tyson Fury being chinny, right? Deontay Wilder, he's been put down. I, what, four or five times versus Fury? Deontay Wilder has hit the canvas versus a guy who historically has no power. He ain't put down fucking Otto Wellen. But he was able to beat the mess out of Deontay Wilder. But no one says Deontay Wilder is chinny. That only sticks with AJ. Doesn't that strike you as odd? The man who's been in there with the best fighters. Consistently. We say we want the best to take on the best. But then when they do and you lose, because of course you're going to lose sometimes, we ridicule you. Whereas one guy gets propped up to the heavens because he's beating on fucking Uber drivers. Shout out to my guy Travis Thomas for that. But look, look at the body of the men who get in the ring with Deontay Wilder. Do they look like top boxers to you? But the chinny trope doesn't stick with Deontay. All of this is wild to me. And it all talks goes back to my starting point about the American boxing fan. This fight pad this past Saturday was amazing. Don't get me wrong. And it was hyped up and it was billed to be the spectacle that it was. Two weeks prior, Anthony Joshua fights Alexander Usyk in another phenomenal fight. And no one in this country really paid it much mind. It's also a heavyweight championship. So many belts on the line. And no one talked about it. So now you have a bunch of people who think that the two best heavyweights in the division are Fury and Wilder. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Fury, for sure. Wilder, I would love to see Deontay Wilder fight Alexander Usyk. Oleander Uzi would beat the shit out of him too. Because Deontay Wilder doesn't know how to fucking fight. He knows how to scrap. He knows how to brawl. He doesn't know how to box. There's a reason why Wilder never fought fucking Vlad, bro. And yo, we here now. And I know, I know y'all going, oh man, you just caping for AJ. I'm not caping for AJ, but... For me, when I see some shit, I think it's obvious I'm going to talk about it, especially when everyone else, for whatever reason, feels like they can't see it either. For years, Slim, for years, the American boxing public told me and anyone who would listen, Anthony Joshua doesn't want to fight Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua's ducking Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua doesn't want to fight Wilder, blah, 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 over and over for years, bro. Now, I've already asked you the question. You've had plenty of time. Give me the second fighter worth a damn that Deontay Wilder has beat. You've had plenty of time now. I'm at 30 fucking four minutes on this quarter. You've had plenty of time. Just yell it to your to your speakers, to your computer, to, to, to your, 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 your phone, whatever you're listening to me on. Just yell the answer. The answer is nothing. Everybody should be dead-ass silent right now because he hasn't. 
We also just talked about how Anthony Joshua has the best resume of any heavyweight in the division, right? Right? We can all agree on that. The only two fighters Anthony Joshua has not fought yet are Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to add this real quick, real quick amendment. Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury agreed to a fight. All the stipulations, the purse, everything, contract, bong, everything was agreed to. And then Wilder activated his rematch clause. They had an arbitrator. They didn't, they didn't want to do that, but they did. He got his rematch, bong. So of all the fighters Anthony Joshua hasn't fought, the only person, the only person who has not agreed to a contract with Anthony Joshua is Deontay Wilder. Now, am I supposed to believe that everybody else, all of these other fighters, Anthony Joshua is not afraid to fight, but he's afraid to fight fucking Deontay Wilder, the man who just so happens to only have one victory of a heavyweight of note? Y'all still can't tell me the second heavyweight that he's beaten worth a damn. Y'all can't tell me. That shit doesn't make any sense. You can't tell me Anthony Joshua is only ducking Deontay Wilder. Well, Deontay Wilder, he, we all know he wouldn't have fought Olazena Usyk. We all know that. We all know he didn't fight motherfucking Vlad. He didn't fight Delian White. All these motherfuckers, Povetkin, all of these fighters. Deontay Wilder has never fought. This motherfucker is running it back with Chris Ariola. Stephen, the second for Stavern fight. This motherfucker came right off the couch. Give me a break, y'all. For years, the American boxing public told the world Anthony Joshua didn't want to fight Deontay Wilder. And it was bullshit then, and it's obviously clearly bullshit now, man. And these motherfuckers are going to be real, real church quiet. You ain't going to be able to hear them now. Where are these people who kept on saying that AJ was ducking Wilder? Because I'm looking... This dude was a fraud from the rip and y'all believed in him because he looks like you. And that's cool. Whatever. I'm not even going to judge you. But you got to be able to call spot that shit, bro. Y'all getting gassed up over him beating up Stavrine. Stavrine had, had like, was a, a replacement box. Come on, Slim. Y'all know what time it is. Y'all know what time it is. Saturday was a phenomenal, was a phenomenal event. It was a phenomenal moment. And for the grand sport of boxing, for the sport of boxing in, in general, it was good. Those two guys, when they get together, they make really, really good fights. Styles make fights. And I'm glad so many people... Now, you know, I, I get my jokes off about how everybody wants to be, you know, fucking uh, Emmanuel Stewart when a big fight happens. Everybody thinks they're an expert. But 
you know, as as a fan of boxing, I gotta I gotta eat that, right? Because if I want the sport to grow or if I want eyes on the sport, you also got to understand that yeah, there are gonna be people who are talking about the sport who aren't who aren't necessarily up to speed on it. And that's cool, right? Everybody have fun, bro. Like I get in my little shit, but I try not to be too pretentious. Everybody wants to have fun. Lord knows when I watch hockey, I don't know shit about hockey, but when I watch it, I have a ball. Now, I also have a little bit of this of, of, of self-awareness not to spew out takes like I'm some type of hockey expert. I'll go watch a hockey game and I'll have fun. I'll watch a soccer. Man, one of the most fun sporting events I've ever been to was an MLS match. Deadass. And I ain't no shit. And that was cool. I just went there to be entertained. And they put on a show. And because I was entertained so much, I go to see MLS games all the time now. Well, at least before COVID. Right. So hopefully those who watched the fight of this past Saturday, they were entertained. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be, you know, Max Kellerman. Just just be like, you know what? That was fun. And hopefully that fight will bring more eyes to the sport, but not just to these guys. Because I can't tell you the number of times and the number of conversations I've had over the years where like Floyd talked about this so many times. But Floyd in his era he just usurped the sport of boxing. So people would watch the big time Floyd fight and they what they took from Floyd is what they then assumed the entire sport was. And because ESPN and all the major outlets, they only talked about Floyd. That's all they ever talked about. You've got a bunch of, you've got millions of people who missed out on Prime Golovkin. And trust me, I don't want to hear from another Golovkin stand in my life. I heard so much shit. We could talk about Golovkin, him ducking Laura, him ducking Ward. Yo, I'm exhausted. We could talk about it. I really don't want to because I've been scarred by the stands of Gennady Golovkin, right? And so let me put that to the side. But I will say, and I was a fan of Golovkin, there was no better in his run, in his prime, there was nothing better than must see TV from an athlete than Gennady Golovkin. I put Golovkin's run right up there with LeBron. I put it over LeBron's right up there with Steph. Like Steph, when he was on, it was like so much fun. It was just a different thing. LeBron was on, it's cool, but it wasn't as <gasps> breathtaking. When Golovkin was in the ring, bro, he was coming. It was like the motherfucking villain from T2. I say that all the time, but it's the truest thing. He would just hunt your ass down. And people never got the joy to watch those fights because they only watched the fight that everyone talked about. And for a decade plus, that was a Floyd fight. I hope what happens now after that entertaining fight is that, you know, there is at least an effort to show off all of the amazing fighters that there are. I don't want people to just think that the only way to fight is the defensive style that Floyd did. Because if you if you thought that, you missed the Golovkins. You missed the Provotnikovs. You missed the Kodos. You understand? You missed so many amazing boxers who were so fun. You missed the, the Nodito Donaires. The Adonis Stevensons, the Sergey Kovalevs, you missed all of that. Because 
your impression on Floyd is what was your governor for the entire sport. And it's not just your fault. All these sports shows, they only talked about Floyd. Just like now, all of these sports shows, they only talk about Deontay Wilder. So I understand why y'all think Deontay Wilder is Superman. Because you don't know no better. I'm speaking to the casual fan right now. Because he's been propped up as this super heavyweight who's just rolls through everybody. He, he rolled through fucking cookie dough. He rolled through paper mache. And the one time he gets in there with somebody for real, he got his ass kicked. Not once, not twice. He lost three times to the same fighter in two totally different styles. I'm so glad Max Kellerman has his own, he's off the first take, but that was an amazing opportunity. Max, Max Kellerman was on the most popular daytime sports show in the world, and instead of having Max talk about this stuff, because you clearly know he knows it, they got this motherfucker talking about Andre Iguodala being the most clutch shooter in the world. Like, come on, bro. Missed opportunity. That's just me venting. I had a lot to get off my chest. And I've been observing so much. And, and, you know, I'm excited for where the heavyweight division is going to go. I'm not really... I, I'm a little concerned. I ain't going to lie. I'm a little concerned with this white fight coming up with Fury. It just don't feel right, bro. You know what I mean? And look, Tyson Fury should absolutely beat Dillian White. Fairly easy. Dillian White is, is a fine fighter. He ain't great. But the fight that I want to see is Fury versus the winner of AJ and Usyk. Because I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk like so many people are saying it's going to be. I don't believe it. Because I saw Fury versus Vlad. He ain't look like this. I saw Fury versus Waylon. He ain't look like this. And I've got buddies who saw Fury early on in his career. Yeah, he's a good fighter, but he's he's not this. Pump the brakes a bit. Pump the brakes. We can acknowledge that Tyson Fury is the best in his division and has put forth spectacular fights back to back to back. We can acknowledge that. But before we jump out butt naked into the deep end, Let's just make sure we check our reference point first. I want to hear what you guys have to say. I want to hear from the boxing heads. I want to hear from the casual fans. I want to hear from the people who just enjoy Saturday night and you that was the best fight you've ever seen in your world. Don't let my grizzled old, you know what I mean, perspective taint or jade you, right? Saturday was fun, and I don't want my... I, I hope this quarter didn't jump out there and, and sound like the guy trying to ruin the fun. Fun fights are important. And the Saturday night's fight even got one person to be interested in the sport of boxing, then it was a massive, a massive success. So I want to hear from you. Boxing fans, casual fans, first-timers, all alike. What were your thoughts about the fight? What were your thoughts about the heavyweight division as a whole? And do you think Tyson Fury 
It's the greatest heavyweight of his generation. A lot of questions. I want to get a lot of answers. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Um, yeah, because Saturday was fun, man. I, I'm not going to try to take anything away from it. Saturday was fun, but that next morning I woke up and I'm looking at a lot of these takes. And I was like, okay, you just don't know any better, right? You, or you're prisoner of the moment. So I'm just curious, where do you stand on the heavyweight division as a whole? All right, guys, quarter one is in the books. That was a phenomenal quarter. I had so much fun talking about boxing. And you know what? I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about this motherfucker, Kyrie Irving. But not just him, the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA as a whole. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. I don't know. I don't know where this Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, NBA stalemate how it ends but if I had to wager it's not going to end well for the Brooklyn Nets this team is literally built for a championship not a championship run not a long playoff run this is a ready-made NBA championship team you have two of the best 10 players in the league and James Harden and Kevin Durant one of whom is coming off of an Achilles injury. And despite the fact that he looked phenomenal last year, this summer during the Olympics, I'm still not confident that this man has beaten this injury. This injury has taken down too many people. Too many people, too many different times. I just don't know. But if you've got a James Harden, which is, why at the time I thought James Harden trade was phenomenal from Brooklyn's perspective because I said it it's Kyrie insurance it's Kevin Durant insurance you have two guys who are either a one guy is coming off of a significant cataclysmic injury and the other guy is always injury prone so you have insurance whichever way but in the midst of doing that you've then surrounded your your, your roster with these older, washed-up veterans who don't necessarily have what it takes to uh, supplement a championship run, in my opinion. When I look at the Brooklyn Nets roster outside of their big three, if you will, it's like, okay, you've got... You're looking at the pips. <laughs> you're looking at Otis. And the temptation, ain't nobody come to see you, Otis. Nobody come to see Blake Griffin anymore. LaMarcus Aldridge, No. You know what you came to see when it comes to Brooklyn. And there are too many question marks. And the, the easiest question mark comes from Kyrie. I don't know what this man is, is thinking. I don't know. And again, I'm always fascinated with the structure, the foundation. How is a team built? How is What's the thought process? Do you remember when Kyrie and Kevin Durant first came together? And what did they say? Oh, man, there's no coach. One day, Kevin can be the coach. One day, I can be the coach. We don't need a coach. Steve is a great mind, da, 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 all that stuff. And it, at the time, we all were able to say, hey, man, that's nuts. Now, look, coaching is important. I think in the NBA, coaching is a bit overrated. But there needs to be, it doesn't matter. 
wherever you are, we talked about it in the first quarter about boxing. There needs to be one guy. There needs to be one woman. There needs to be one person at the top to make the hard decisions, to set the tone. The NBA is not like the NFL where there's a whole bunch of decisions that need to be made. There's a whole bunch of you know clock management, time, all that stuff. In the NFL, these are big-time decisions, big-time ramifications. You need to set the, the tone. In the NBA, I don't believe it's that way. But the NBA, you know, you need someone to know who your best players are. You can't have your best players sitting on the bench because you don't understand productivity. I'm reminded of Mark Jackson, who was playing David Lee over Draymond Green. That's something that is real. you got to know who your best players are. But at the same time, you also have to set a tone. If Kyrie came into his career in Brooklyn thinking that he has just as much of a say as anyone else, well, then, yeah, you enabled this type of behavior. These guys are willing. Are, there is no. Last year, they caught bail. Oh, James Harden was hurt. Oh, Kyrie got hurt, though James Harden came back. Uh, they lost in the second round. They didn't even make the conference championship. That's a failure. People forget because Kyrie and Kevin Durant were both hurt in year one. This is year two. We're entering three, year three of this, this ordeal, at least with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And to be fair, it has been a failure. But no one calls this shit out. Kyrie is too much of an important figure in the NBA circles, right? So he has these relationships with all these people who who do these independent interviews or who, who have these like online web series on Bleacher Report or TNT or ESPN because everybody's cool. Nobody wants to just go out and say the obvious. Kyrie's fucking up the bag. Not his money. I'm talking about the bag in terms of that organization. Read the tea leaves. Kevin Durant re-signed. Of course he re-signed. Kevin Durant's like, what, 33? He's got two more years. Sign another four-year extension. He's set. You listen to the credible reports. It was supposed to be KD signs, Kyrie signs, and then after that, James will sign. Kyrie on some other shit right now, man. And if you're Brooklyn, you can't want to, to put two more years. You've already got KD locked up. KD already signed his extension. So whatever leverage, whatever power KD had over the organization in terms of bullying them or forcing them to, to hold his man down, that shit's out the window now. Kyrie is a liability. And what has happened now is that your Kyrie insurance, James Harden, he's looking around and like, hold on now. I've put my body on the line James Harden doesn't do uh, load management. When James Harden is healthy, he gets busy. A lot of people don't like the style of play. I actually enjoy James Harden. It's not aesthetically pleasing, but I appreciate somebody who goes to work. Somebody who's not just PPG. Y'all make all the jokes about James Harden you want to. James Harden is one of the best passers in this league. You look at all these guys who were playing with James Harden in Houston, what did they do last year? What did any of these motherfuckers do last year? Nothing. James Harden is one of the best players in the world. I, I think it's silly that he didn't make All-NBA, but we ain't going to know. It's whatever. That is what it is. I'll say this. 
James Harden, Kevin Durant duo in the Eastern Conference doesn't matter. Kyrie, for this season, in terms of on-the-court play, it's inconsequential. He don't move the needle. He's a nice player. He's good. He's a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from Kyrie. But is it worth all of this? My man plays in New York. He may miss 41 unless he gets vaccinated. And the league ain't even asking for double vax, which makes no sense. We can get to that another time. I've already talked about this. They just asking for one shot. The bar is so low. And my man is not even giving up that. He plays in New York. This man won't be able to play in any home games. Think about that. This team is championship or bust. There is no more excuses. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got James Harden. You traded God knows how many picks, all your players, and now Kyrie. This ain't for the second round. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. And your third best player is on some shit to where your coach, Steve Nash, is like, hey, man, we just got to anticipate of not having Kyrie every night. What? <laughs> We've been talking all summer long about Ben Simmons. We need to be focusing on this. Imagine Brooklyn hoping to be the fifth seed. So where they don't have to worry about having four games without Kyrie in a series. This is insane. If you were James Harden, if you're James Harden, do you want to do this? And James Harden, God bless him, he's answering all the questions the right way. Hey, man, we support Kyrie. Kyrie's got to take all that stuff. Again, I think that's dangerous because people are acting as if, hey, you know, get your shot. That's just a personal decision. Fuck it is. The fuck it is. Watch what happens if if this pandemic continues and people continue to die and insurance premiums continue to rock skyrocket. And watch what happens if unions force and push and fight. Watch what happens when an airline says, just only gonna take one. Hey, if you're not vaccinated, you can't come on. Watch what happens when a restaurant and it's only going to take one or two when they start saying, hey, if you're not vaccinated, you can't eat here. Hotels. Offices, grocery stores, you name it. It's only going to take a few for the domino effect to happen. Watch what happens. And all your motherfuckers talk about it's a personal choice. Okay. <laughs> Keep that same energy then, bro. It's a personal choice. Cool. That's how you feel? Sit your ass at home. They're going to start treating these motherfuckers the way they treat cigarette smokers. Watch what happens. And then see what, how far that, it's a personal choice, how far that goes. But we don't need to get there. I, we don't need to take it there. We don't need to take it there right now. Let's stick to sports, right? James Harden is looking around at this situation saying, hold on, do I want to put... James Harden understands that, you know, more of his career is behind him than in front of him. And he wants to get to the NBA Finals. He's never been to a Finals before. He knows his legacy, what it is. These guys understand this. He wants to play for a championship. You think he's going to put his career, the, what's left of, left of his prime, 
in the hands of fucking Kyrie Flat Earth Irving? We've treated, I love Katie. Katie's from Seat Pleasant, Maryland. I spent like 20 years of my life in Largo, like right down the street. I got nothing but love for Kevin Durant. Love that man. He's one of the best basketball players of all time. One of the most fun, just one of the most amazing players. Like we've been blessed of this generation of, of fans, sports fans, to look at these men and women who have blessed us each year, each season, right? Sometimes we get caught up in the takes and, and the foolishness that we kind of forget this, man. I'm, I'm 38. I've got to see Jordan, Montana, Young, Brady, LeBron, Steph, Floyd, Sweepy, you understand? Trinidad, Tyson, Serena, Federer, Jokic. You understand? I, I got to see all of this. Even the sports I don't even fuck with for real, man. I got to see Tiger. I got to see Bonds. I got to see Alex Ovechkin up close and personal, man. That's dope. We've got to live through this. So legacy is huge. James Harden wants to be a part of those list of names. Like the KDs, like the LeBrons, like the Jordans, like the Kobe's, like the Shaq's. You want to go down. When you are that successful, that talented in an industry that's built off competition, you know he wants to be among those names. And the best way for him to do it, if he's in Brooklyn, is to continue to tie himself to Kyrie Irving. You don't think everybody knows this? And Kyrie's not budging. Again, whatever on the floor. He's one of their best players. He's going to be important. And, but because KD and Harden are so good, if they're both healthy, it ain't like Kyrie is a necessity. But he is going to be a distraction. Every home game. Every time they play in Toronto. And then when the playoffs start, come on. They're going to have to hear questions, answer questions about Kyrie. Night in and night out. That's going to get tiring. And look, I took, I was one of the early people to take the Rockets to task. I remember so many people absolutely cheering Houston. Oh my gosh, look at what they were able to get for James Harden. They ain't get shit. They got Victor Oladipo, he's gone. And they got a bunch of scratch-off lottery tickets. But those lottery tickets become extremely more valuable if James Harden says, all right, I'm out. And we just talked about why would James Harden want to stay? Why would he want to put the prime, the rest of his prime years in the hands of Kyrie Irving? Why would he want to do that? If James Harden leaves Brooklyn and Kyrie continues, listen to the reports. There's some people who say that Kyrie Irving has no trade value, not because he's not talented, but because this motherfucker's crazy. I, I take that back. I'm sorry. That's not fair. He's not crazy, but he's on some other shit, right? You don't know what you're going to get with him. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Because if James Harden leaves, all of those picks that you traded for him, well, 
they become just that much more valuable, particularly given Durant's age and his injury concerns. Because if James Harden leaves and Kevin Durant, whether it's age or injury, if they catch up with him, especially if they catch up with him at the same time, oh my goodness. Look at all of those picks that you just gave away for a guy who gave you a year and a half. Because you couldn't tighten up your ship. Because you let this guy think that he, he was just like a coach. You have no leader. Kevin Durant, for all of the greatness of him, all of the amazing ability, all the play, I don't know if Kevin Durant is a great leader in the locker room. I don't know. I don't know if teams follow him. You follow him on the floor because he's one of the greatest ever. My opinion, the top 10 player. But did they follow him in Oklahoma City or did they follow Russ? We know they didn't follow him in Golden State. And that leadership wasn't enough last year in Brooklyn, right? If there was a certain level of leadership, would, wouldn't you think Michael Jordan would have went to Kyrie and be like, dog, kill this shit. You getting this shot. The greatest leaders this game has ever seen. Don't you think they would have, hey, bro, you either with us or you against us. It don't seem like Kyrie feeling any type of heat. I mean, a man, half the season, all your home games, you can't play? How is this even a discussion? How is this even a thing for a team that has to win a championship? It ain't no, oh, man, close call. It ain't going to be no more, man, his foot was so close to not being on the line. Nah, you got to win, bro. You got two top 10 players, three top 20. Stop it. Ain't no more bail for the Nets. No more. It's so funny which teams do get bail and which teams don't. We will shoot this Brooklyn Nets team so much fucking bail. But if another team who moves the needle in a bit had this stable, imagine if the Miami Heat Big Three did what the the Nets did last year and lose in the second round. We killed the, the Heat for losing in the finals. <laughs> they lost in the finals. The Brooklyn Nets lost in the second round. Stop it. All offseason, we've been focused on Philadelphia, another team who lost in the second round, while Brooklyn and this circus just continues on up. Stop it. Stop treating them like the little brothers. Stop treating them like the little kids. They, they are the big three. They've got KD, who most people feel is the best player in the league. They've got James Harden, who was one of the best players in this league. Stop it. They, they want to be all this disruptive. Oh, we don't need a head coach. Steve Nash. Steve Nash ain't getting there one lick of criticism. We can have that discussion. Where's the heat for Steve Nash? You have all that talent. You get bumped, bounced in the second round. What are we doing? What is Kyrie doing? And what are the Brooklyn Nets going to do about it? They don't have much longer. When James Harden is a free agent, if he if he doesn't resign, I think it speaks volumes to what he's going to do. 
You ain't going to recoup all of those picks that you traded for him. And again, I'm not the biggest advocate for, oh, let's hoard all these picks. You get all those picks to get a player like James Harden. But when he's gone, that barrel, it becomes empty. That cabinet looks real, real empty. There are reports that the Brooklyn Nets have looked around to try to move Kyrie, but Kyrie has threatened them to say, hey, if you trade me, I'm going to retire. What is that? Is that free thinking? <laughs> or is that just desperation and stupidity? Ignorance. For what? To get a shot? I so badly want to start naming names. Because all of these people who defend Kyrie because they want to get the interview. I'm looking at them. When are y'all going to say the obvious? When are y'all going to just say what a stupid is? Don't come at fucking Cole Beasley and, say, and stay mum when it comes to Kyrie. Because you know he can get you engagement and clicks. And you want to cultivate these relationships. Don't do that. That's nasty. What are your principles? Oh man, there's like four names who I want to I want to say out loud right now, but I ain't gonna do that. I ain't gonna do that. But I think some of y'all know who I'm talking about. They love to do these interviews on their IG accounts, and they have their independent home man. Just, mm, I, I was about to say a name, but the, not the name, but the name of a show, and then you would have known. You know what I'm saying? I got I got to bite my tongue a little bit, but y'all know. I go to their IG accounts, man. They're always sitting down talking to these young stars. Oh, man, and always tweeting, defending the players. Sometimes these motherfuckers don't need defending. Sometimes you got to call their ass out, too. Some of these people who are going off on Kirk Cousins and Cole Beasley and, and, and my man from who's the... Uh, Carson Wentz and all these people who don't want to be vaccinated. They will kill them. They ain't said shit about Kyrie. They didn't say shit about the stupidity, stupidity of what LeBron said, though he's vaccinated. They ain't got nothing to say now. Oof. That shit right there, that blows me, bro. It's one of the reasons why they always tell you don't get close to the people who you cover. Because it'll cloud your judgment. Conflict of interests. You want to stay cool. These people in New York, you live in New York probably. You want to get the interviews. You want to be cool, buddy, buddy. So you ain't really trying to go at your people like that. But anybody who has a shred of integrity can look around and say, hold on, man. Why are you so silent? Ask buddy over there. Like, dog, you was real loud a few months ago. Now you quiet. Ask the young lady over here. Who loves to do these interviews? Hold on, you were killing Cole Beasley just a few months ago, but you you church quiet against Kyrie. Oh, that's right. Last year you had one of your biggest posts because you were interviewing Kyrie. Oh, that's how I go, buddy over there. Oh, okay, that's your man. You always in the in the mix. You in New York? You in the mix with Kyrie? That's why you ain't saying okay. I see. This is basic level stuff, man. I'm biased. I'm biased. Y'all know how I feel about my Knicks. It's one of the reasons why I don't ever talk about them. 
But look at how Baby was so quick to shit on the Knicks. And look, the Knicks deserved to be shitted on for so long. Kyrie Irving was on. They killed, they killed the Knicks because the Knicks didn't want to offer Kyrie Irving a contract. That's what kind of killed the KD uh, momentum. The Knicks didn't want anything to do with Kyrie. Man, it was killing the Knicks. How'd that look two years later? But the Brooklyn Nets, they're the little brothers. Nobody, nobody really gives, nobody really goes off on them. Yeah, must be nice. But sometimes, you know what? Public shaming works. Sometimes you put heat on something, it's going to start cooking. Something's going to start bubbling. Why the league? Why the people who cover the league? And some of the strongest voices, the, I hate this term, influencers, who are in sports, why they decide not to put the heat on Brooklyn and Kyrie and KD? That's a question that I'd love to hear an answer for. You got a question for the show, man. I'd love to hear that too. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, you heard the horn, which means it is time for halftime. However, but before we get to halftime, I want to make sure I make this perfectly clear. Because I don't want any of you all to, to, uh, to assume I'm talking about certain people when I'm not. Shout out to Malika Andrews. You know, Malika Andrews, um, you know, through her hard work, dedication, um, there are certain occurrences that happened this summer. Obviously, we know um, with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor, um, both of those people are now off of ESPN. And it was a huge opportunity for her. I don't want this to make anyone, I don't want anybody to, to misconstrue this and think that like, she was opportunistic. No. She bust her ass. She was really well in the bubble. She did well before that. And then last year, you could tell she really hit her stride. She's done a phenomenal job. And because of that, I want to make sure I highlight this kind of uh, attack I have with a lot of personalities in the NBA sphere. Um, I want to make sure I then also highlight the people who are doing the work. And Malika Andrews earlier this week, she called out Kyrie Irving. It was one of the first times someone in the NBL, NBA world, not columnists, not bloggers, not people kind of on the outskirts, if you will, someone really, really associated in that lifestyle. She called him out. And this is before the Nets made their decision to have him not practice with the team, not travel with the team. That's the power. <laughs> That's the power. You need someone with some voice, with some some semblance of credibility and integrity in journalism and is not afraid to potentially burn a bridge. She's a reporter. That's where she got her start. She's like she was is a reporter. She broke big stories. Uh she broke she and Pablo Torre like two years ago broke this huge Nick story. Like she's a reporter. So it is refreshing to see someone not worried about relationships. And look, I'm not saying she was the only one, but she was the first person, again, in the NBA circle, the, that, that, that close-knit, you know, bond, whatever it is, right? To say, no, Kyrie, this is dumb. This is foolish. This is dangerous. She did that. So I wanted to make sure I celebrated Malika Andrews for that because that was dope. It was refreshing and it it was surprising. It's sad how surprising it was. But thank God she's in it. Thank God there's new blood. 
there's someone there who can at least try to fight um you know the 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 pitfalls that have now stumbled throughout our 24-hour sports cycle um landscape speaking of pitfalls of the 24-7 sports cycle landscape man what the fuck happened this week it is sometimes, you know, we all regular people, right? When I would assume most of us aren't. Well, I, I, I very much assume most of us aren't millionaires or any of us are millionaires listening to this show. October uh, 20, whatever day, 20, October 15th, 2021. I assume, you know, we just regular people trying to make it, you know, trying to do right, trying not to hurt anybody, not to hurt ourselves, but chase our dreams, take care of our loved ones, our families. And sometimes living this life, at least for me, there will be a voice in my head that'll come up and say, hey man, don't fuck up your money, right? Don't fuck up a good thing. No matter what you're doing, right? Maybe having a good day, good week, you like get payday, whatever, your bills are taken care of. And for me, right, because I, I, I'm, I'm very much into saving, I made a little voice in my head like, hey man, why don't you go ahead Go to, go to the game, go to the casino, go ahead, have fun, do your thing. And then another voice will immediately, ah, not so strong, not as loud, but faintly in the other ear, like, ah, don't fuck up your money. I never really thought much about it, honestly. I just thought it was just a weird quirk that I have. Maybe you have it, I don't know. But then this week happened in the sports world, and damn, I don't want to save the voice just for myself because a lot of y'all motherfuckers needed to. And if you didn't know what I'm talking about, well, you are in luck. Because I'm going to give you what my voice would sound like for everyone else who's had a rough go at it this week. The people in the sports world who, yes, have definitely fucked up their money. Take a listen. Hey, Kyrie. Uh, I know... You've had your issues with this vaccine. However, preseason's about to start, and we need you on the floor. So, hey, could you really just stop all this and get your shot so we can go ahead and get this quest for this championship? We must internalize the flatulation of the matter by transmitting the effervescence of the Indonesian proximity in order to further segregate the crux of my venereal infection. Kyrie. What? You about to fuck your money up. You about to fuck your money up. Hey, Coach Gruden. Um, obviously, these emails have been released. Can you give us your take on why you sent these emails? And is this the type of person that you are? And these are the type of beliefs that you hold? There's cookie and punch for us to enjoy. And we can make... Talk about white brotherhood. Thank y'all for coming. White power! You were about to fuck your money up. You were about to fuck your money up. Honestly, I don't even really want to talk about John Gruden. And it would have been easy to, to make that a, a quarter. But I didn't want to because I'm sick of it. You know what I'm saying? It's um, it does tell you all you need to know, right? It tells you all you need to know that the NFL 
is investigating or they were there was an investigation at the NFL but there was an open investigation on the Washington football team and the NFL will go out of their way to save one of their owners this is not the first time it will not be the last time the fact that Daniel Snyder Bruce Allen someone who used to work for that organization have been able to skate through this through this kind of reign of destruction is baffling anyone who has ever sniffed ashburn you know the 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 sinister the hideous like the, the, the just the awful things that occur at and around that organization one of the most proud one of the most historic organizations has been turned into a wasteland the Washington football team. Think about it. And now you are seeing this, this reign of destruction. It ended up hurting Adam Schefter. And man, I talk about the media. I talk about integrity, integrity, how we report trust all the time on here. Adam Schefter. I can't believe like, So what day was this? This is Wednesday night or Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Shefty lays low, and then he then just tweets out a story about wild card Monday night. Which dog? The NFL having a wild card Monday night game? How dumb is that? <laughs> There's a team who's going to win the Monday night football game, and then we'll have obviously a a huge disadvantage. How does anyone think that's smart? I get it. Everybody loves Monday night football. Boom, 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 boom. I don't need Monday Night Football during the playoffs. I actually rather enjoy the Saturday the Saturday games. You just changing shit just to do it. And again, they're the biggest drug dealers in the country, the NFL, because they do whatever they want and there's no repercussions. Bro, they were going to let John Gruden continue to coach if he just was racist. <laughs> this mother, the NFL is approximately seventy percent black. In terms of their workforce, we know they don't hire black people for coaches, head coaching jobs. We know they don't hire black people for offensive coordinator jobs. We know they don't hire black people for executive jobs. Again, we just assume that all of this is a coincidence. This motherfucker, John Gruden. Yo, I'm not big. First off. Let me get this straight. And this is fucked up, right? So let me get, make this perfectly clear. Fuck John Gruden. I want to make sure I say that because I know I'm going to come hard on Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy. Fuck them. Fuck them. They on television jumping up and down through circles. Hey, man, I know him and I know him. Fucking Mike Tirico. The Italian stallion. Fuck out of here. What a clown. What a fucking clown, bro. These dudes out here caping up for John Gruden. And then a day later, you hear all this other shit and they're not saying anything. Tony Dungy's, hey man, that's a Christian. I got to forgive him. You have to forgive him in terms of, you know, if, if that's the way, if that's your faith and that's how you believe, you offer up the same level of forgiveness to him as everyone else. That then doesn't mean that you have to jump out in front of everybody and say, hey man, he deserves this chance and he shouldn't be penalized and all this other stuff. Shut up. Does this soul deserve damnation? 
And you don't even really get to judge that. But you can offer up forgiveness for that if that's how you believe. I'm not going to judge anybody's faith no matter what it is. God bless that man. But fuck Tony Dungy. Fuck Mike Tarico And fuck John Gruden and all them other motherfuckers, man. And Drew Brees, fuck you too. Went. Shout out to Bomani Jones and a few other people. Because Sunday night, that was my initial thought. I was like, hold on. Where the fuck is Drew Brees at? <laughs> right? They start talking all this other stuff. Drew Brees breaking down, boom, 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 commercial break. They come out to John Gruden to hear the interview. And then those two guys give their testimony. And the white guy is gone. It's one of the reasons why race in this country will never be fixed because no one ever cares to just get the slightest bit uncomfortable. I remember years ago when I literally first started producing, I was actually, I wasn't even a producer for real. I was an associated producer. And every year, every year, we do Martin Luther King specials, right? In the NBA, and I love it. It's my favorite sports day of the calendar. The NBA goes full-fledged Martin Luther King, and the way the brothers like to get down is basketball from 12 to 12. You feel me? <laughs> That's the way we decide to choose the, or celebrate the MLK. And cool, I'm not judging. I fucking love basketball. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But I never forget, for a year or so, before I was an associate producer, right? I was, I was a PA. Didn't really have any juice. So I'm looking around, and every year we do the same thing. We ask the Wizards. Hey, what do you think about Martin Luther King Jr.? We asked John Thompson. Hey, what do you think about Martin Luther King Jr.? We asked all of these black athletes who are still playing, right? And we interviewing college basketball players, you know, Georgetown, Maryland, uh, GW potentially. We asked all the Wizards. And if there were any NFL players who were hanging around, most of them were on vacation, whatever. But if there were some guys around, we'd ask them. Mind you. You got a whole ass hockey team here. And spring training is around the corner. There are baseball guys coming in, starting to cycle through. Again, it's the beginning of February. You're starting to, you're starting to get in. And we never once asked anybody white, even the white basketball players, we never asked them about Martin Luther King Jr. We would ask foreign black players, but not Americans. And it always bothered me. So by the time I end up becoming, having a little bit of juice, I remember in one of these meetings, I'm like, hold on, why, why are we not asking whichever American capital was playing? And the overwhelming number of people who were in the meeting with me were white, they were managers, and they started laughing. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I mean, shit, I, I got a sense of humor, but I'm not laughing, I'm not joking right now. Why, why are we not asking white players White Americans, particularly, though I think Martin Luther King Jr.'s reach goes above and beyond just the borders of America. Bong. But just, let's just start with Americans. Why wouldn't we ask white Americans to give us their thoughts on the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday? Without a doubt. You have Paul Robinson, you've got... Uh, you could you have whether it's Hamilton, whether it's you know God throughout the the years, the history of this country, we've got a, amazing people. You can't name three Americans greater than Dr. King, and I don't care if you're on the militant tip. I don't care. You just can't. 
So if this is one of the three greatest Americans, and when I say three, I don't think he's number three. You feel me? Why wouldn't, and every, all these motherfuckers love their country. Why wouldn't we ask them about his holiday? I'm saying this, and then their laughs turned into stuck faces. And they, oh, they thought I was playing. I was being dead ass. They had no answer. This is the way we do things when it comes to this country. This is the way we breed the next generations of race. Because we don't ever think white people have to learn shit about all America, all of the history, or even the greatest Americans. We view white people through the lens of, hey, you're white. You learn about the white shit. And that's not all. Shout out to the white allies. Most of you guys listen to me. Allies, I'm not talking about you all. I think we are, if you listen to this podcast, I like to think we are very, we have a certain level of understanding. So y'all know this isn't low-hanging fruit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm, I'm talking to this one manager, and i never forget him. And, and after he pulls me aside, he's like, hey, man, you know, your question is, I understand it's your question, but, you know, you made everybody uncomfortable. And I was like, hey, y'all got uncomfortable because y'all know y'all doing stupid stuff. Asking people about Dr. King. I'm not asking you to talk. Whomever you think is militant, and I think, and another thing that happens in this country, we view things in the prism of militant when it comes to people wanting their freedom, right? Whom, Dr. King isn't this vanilla bland guy that people have tried to make him out in this later, it passed once he has passed in these last few decades or so. But it ain't also like Dr. King was the scary guy. You understand? And yet, we have never asked Hey, Dr. King is a great day. There are American hockey players who are playing all the time. NHL is back on ESPN. How much you want to bet in 2022 Dr. King Day? You won't see now. One white person talk about how great it is on Dr. King. I don't even know if they're going to be televised games that day. I would love to see it. The fact of the matter is, back to Drew Brees. Drew Brees has done, he has been able to live his celebrity through the prism of, hey, I love my country. And when he got jammed up in that shit back during the George Floyd protest, he didn't realize people were done with that, at least in that small, 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 small specter of time. So now Drew Brees doesn't have to talk about fucking John Gruden. You're an analyst. I don't live in D.C. anymore, but I have some of these stations still on my, you know, my, my tablet. And I was just curious. Grant and Danny show. Got no problem with either one of those guys. Right? Talented. You know, people like them. Bomb. I have no issue. I've met Grant Paulson before. Cool dude. Talented. Extremely talented. And I, and to be fair, I could have missed it. I could have missed it. They could have absolutely spent some time talking about the John Gruden thing, which clearly was a huge sports topic. But too often... Too many people, unfortunately, white people, I mean, white people who, when you have a private conversation, they're cool. But whenever they get on their platform, things get quiet. Why are you not talking about this? And I get it. You guys have a very particular angle because obviously this is impacted by the Washington football team. That then doesn't mean you can't give more than a sentence. Oh, that's just really awful, awful, 
oh, is this real sad? No, it's more than that. This is bigger picture stuff here. John Gruden was able to hire his general manager off of the NFL Network. Was he capable? Did he have the necessary you know, resume to have that? I'll leave that up to you. There were people who were caping for John Gruden's brother Jay for years. You mean to tell me to think that if John Gruden felt comfortable enough to talk to Bruce Allen, what conversations do you think Jay Gruden and Bruce Allen and other people had? You honestly think it's going to be a world of different? And again, this is conjecture. We're assuming a lot, but fuck that, man. We know what time it is. Don't talk to me about how awful racism is. Trust me when I tell you, I know. Talk to the people who listen to you, the people who feel comfortable around you, the people who, when they're around me, there's a certain level of defense up. But when they're around you, talking about the white allies, white people who are listening to me, God bless y'all. They're going to hear they're going to be a little bit different. That's when you impact it. I don't talk to my gay friends about the, the perils of homosexuality and homophobia and, you know, all this anti-LGBTQ plus stuff that's going on. Why, what, what? They know. They know better than me. <laughs> when I do that shit, I'm talking to other straight people who jumping out of line or may feel like they crazy. Nah, we check that there. Don't be the Bama who talks to women and only women about the dangers of misogyny. And this this awful and the awful culture of rape and sexual assault. Don't only talk to women about that. In fact, why would you talk to women about that? When women want to talk to you, that's when you listen. You talk to the pot, you talk to your homeboys, you talk to the young boys out there so they know what to not do, how to respect. This shit is crazy. But for whatever reason, when it's time to talk about race, you throw the black people up. And the white people take a step back. The white people shut up. How many times you need a black person to tell you racism is bad? <laughs> How many times? It was the same show every day. I'm like, good morning football. Oh, man, they got De they let D'Angelo Hall go off. Good morning football. You got all these other white people there. They're not telling you what you, what, right? I wanted to get into the point when there is a racist thing that happens, the black person gets to get off the set and we get to listen to the white folk talk about that. This motherfucker Drew Brees just left. The biggest story, the biggest story in the sports world. We got baseball playoffs. We had a bunch of great games. Lamar Jackson's turning into uh, I even higher level of superstar. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks later on in the show. But the one thing that stood above all of it was John Gruden and his remarks. And yo, again, important to remember, John Gruden would have kept his job if he was only just racist. Think about that. If only John Gruden was quote unquote just racist, he would still be coaching. <laughs> this shit is so frustrating it's so exhausting 
And everybody talks about they want to get better. We're getting better. We're not going to get better because nobody wants to just for the slightest be uncomfortable. Don't know. I promise you, as a black man, I don't like talking about race. I wish it never existed. I wish, I wish that as a black man, understand, I don't want to not, I want to, I don't want to be something other than a black man. I love being me. I just wish I didn't have to talk about it. I wish I didn't have to experience race. I did. I wish I, my loved ones, my daughter were not going to be or have been burdened by that. And everyone who is in a, uh, a certain um, demographic has that, right? I'm sure women don't want to walk down the street being scared. In fact, I know it. They want to be paid equally, obviously. They don't want to be worried about if this guy that they may be interested in will lose his mind just because she doesn't want to sleep with him. All of these things are LGBTQ plus community. And this is coming off the stems of the Dave Chappelle show. All of this stuff. You think they want to be talked about all the time? No, you think they want to be at these, like these frightening rates of assaults, murders, kidnappings, and suicides. Like their, their community, they are going through that right now. You think they want to? Nobody want to talk about race like this. If, if race did not have to happen, racism did not have to happen, yo, I promise you, it'd be dope. But that's not a reality. This ain't Candyland. This is our reality. Imagine how, <laughs> how great it must be to be Drew Brees in that moment. And I don't want to get off too hard on Drew. That wasn't his, and maybe it was his decision, but somebody on that show should have been like, no, you need to get your ass out there. But whatever. Mike Tarico, the fuck are you talking about? And his dumb ass is going to be call, um, calling Sunday Night Football this weekend. Now Michaels is off. So watch the dumb shit that's going to come out of his mouth. He's going to try to issue an apology. Nah, bro, we heard you. That is your man. You caked up for him for no reason. <laughs> and fucking Adam Schefter. Oh, yo, this is just like, the end of halftime, and this is almost 20 minutes. I should have just made this a quarter. There's so much I want to talk about, but you know what? I don't want you guys have heard about this enough this week. I personally, clearly, this is still very much emotional to me, and I want to have fun. I started this show off talking about how much fun I had. This is obviously before this stuff came out. I started recording. I just want to have fun. So this is going to be the it, at least for this week. On the John Gruden, Washington football team, Bruce Allen, NFL, ESPN, just kind of this entire merger of racism, uh, foolishness, uh, good old boys club, etc., etc. But understand, just because I don't have it in me to continue to talk about this, doesn't mean that if you genuinely feel that you are an ally, you don't have to talk about it. I'm going to talk about this again. I have to. I have a little girl. I got to talk. I have to talk about race and racism countless times in my life and I've already heard about it and I'm still learning about it and I don't like to I don't want to but I got a little girl and I got a little niece who need to know but I promise you if you're an ally and if you feel how I feel and you understand what I'm saying and God knows I'm rambling and I'm all over the place you could pick up just this little bit of the stack today maybe 
or the next time you hear your uncle, hey, it's Thanksgiving coming up. I've heard too many of my friends say, hey, man, my uncle's crazy. I don't fuck with him. God bless you. Because I wouldn't want to fuck with your uncle either. But maybe you, you holler at your uncle again and you say something wild. Maybe you're not even too OD, but just a little bit. Hey, bro, let me holler at you real quick. That's it. Hey, think about this. That's fucked up. Think about this. That's all. I'm not asking you to start World War III. But I'm tired. I am tired. And I promise you a lot of Bama's are tired too. So yeah, that's halftime. That wasn't even halftime. Halftime was a little, I, I like to think it was a little funny. But this wasn't. So let's step into the funny, right? For our third topic. This third quarter. It's difficult to look at sports today. I mean, just, just kind of look at what we've done in two quarters plus in this show. We've talked about a boxing fight between one guy who's never beat anybody. But if you were to walk past the street and saw Deontay Wilder, you would be completely afraid, right? Just an absolute menacing guy who has the biggest punch in the sport. We've seen this man get his ass kicked twice by... <laughs> There's really no other way to describe Tyson Fury. And I mean this with all due respect, but someone who literally almost ate himself into oblivion, had depression, still lost significant amount of weight, but still has the absolute worst dad bod of any athlete possibly ever. And he beat the dog shit out of this man, not once, but twice. We then talked about Kyrie Irving, and understand this, <laughs> When I made the second quarter, this was before the Instagram live. I could literally do an entire show on Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and the idiocy. We literally live in a time where people are saying that Kyrie Irving is this generation's Muhammad Ali. It then took Twitter sleuths maybe eight minutes to find multiple images, multiple advertisements of Muhammad Ali telling the entire world they should be vaccinated. <laughs> I promise you can't make this shit up. You can't make it up. Sports is so stupid. We all need escapes. We all have hobbies. I love sports. I have the ability to watch and devote a countless amounts of hours doing a podcast do I, that, that I do not get paid for just because I love the sport. Just because I love sports, I love talking to y'all. I just love it. But I can't act as if this is not the dumbest shit in the entire history of humanity. So when you talk about People calling Tyson Fury the baddest man on the planet. Despite the fact that this man has breasts and love handles. Multiple. And that he whoops the ass of Deontay Wilder who tires in three rounds. Despite the fact that he's in, at least he looks like in peak physical condition. Despite the fact that Kyrie Irving has been called this generation's Muhammad Ali. By a man who ate Vaseline on video. Despite the fact that 
Kyrie Irving goes on his Instagram account and says he wants to bring people together and by doing so, increase the opportunity that people could die because of a fucking global pandemic. We also have John Gruden keeping his job after saying racist comments, but then losing his job because he was also a vile individual when it came to basically everybody else. All of these things happen, and you know what? In a in a in a gumbo of sports disaster, what's the one missing ingredient? When we go through the lines of things that have happened this week about foolishness, idiocy, uh, ridiculousness, I mean, just go down the line. Look at what has happened this week. There's just one thing that was missing. One thing to bring this foolishness all the way to its pinnacle. To the point where all you can do, unfortunately, unfortunately is laugh despite the fact that one of the most beloved athletes in an entire region, their legacy is being ran through the mud whether on purpose or accident, as a decoy, who knows? The one thing that's missing from this week of chaos in sports, you guessed it, the burgundy and fucking gold. I cannot believe. You should have known. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Batman is running down the street and he sees like a bunch of fucking question marks. There's no need to ask what's going on. It's the fucking Riddler. Similarly, when you see a bunch of just despicable sports stories are happening, oh, is it you? It's like you're, you're inching closer to Dan Snyder. <laughs> Dan Snyder somehow has managed to ruin John Gruden. And mind you, I have no sympathy for him. He has somehow managed to ruin the credibility of Adam Schefter. I've got no sympathy for him either. But now, because all of this is swirling around Ashburn, and again, there are reports, there are people who I believe who who have said they were contacted in September. So the likelihood that this retirement ceremony honoring the late, great Sean Taylor, God bless the dead, this absolutely seems to be one of the things that I don't believe in. It seems to be just a coincidence. But Slim, the day we find out that the Washington football team will be honoring Sean Taylor, we found this out on a Thursday. The game is played on a Sunday. <laughs> so like four days before the actual game, we find out, we find out, yo, Okay, we're going to honor Sean Taylor. The same day we find out seven months in advance that Coldplay is coming to FedEx Field. If you are going to throw something for Sean Taylor, why wait till the Thursday before the game? That lets you know what type of incompetence we are dealing with when Ashburn. They have literally, 
The NFL has been run amok this week. ESPN has been shot tangentially because of their association. And it all can be traced six degrees of, of separation, right? All the way back to Bruce Allen and the Washington football team. The investigation where all these leaked emails have happened is because they were investigating Washington. <laughs> Yet we have no idea what were in Washington's email. Do you understand how absurd this entire thing is? You would have to laugh with the one rather large exception is that this is impacting multiple people's lives. This is a multi-billion with a B dollar organization. It's insane. And as if that wasn't enough, and I feel, let me tell you something. So many of my closest friends, so many of them are Washington football team fans. So many of them. I feel so bad for them. And I can empathize with them because as a Knicks fan, I lived throughout my entire adult life. But the moment it seems, and I'm not even that optimistic. I don't even know if I would classify myself as cautiously optimistic. But it does seem as if my favorite team is starting to act like adults. I feel for Washington because they're looking around and they always had the Knicks just standing side by side. The like stepbrothers just standing side by side in a pool of shit just looking at each other. Well, now we finally grew the fuck up and moved on, hopefully. And it's just Washington standing by themselves, covered in feces. And I'm just thinking, to, this is such an easy move for the NFL. I am not naive. I don't pretend to act as if there isn't more than enough dirt on the Washington football team and their owner. I am sure, and that what they're saying, that Dan Snyder doesn't use the email, that's fine. I'm sure there's something. They say they have, what, 65,000 emails, 650,000, it's some absurd amount. You can't find anything? Bullshit. Bullshit. This one man has ruined one of the greatest most historic organizations in professional sports. He's done it meticulously. Like he's accidentally slipped in to division titles. They've won the division at seven and nine or it's eight, seven and one multiple times. And it's not only like they've won the division, they've only won the joint like four or five times since Snyder has taken over. This is pathetic. And that's before you even talk about scandal. John Gruden, deservedly so, is done. He sent emails to Bruce Allen, who was leading the operations at the time in Washington. Don't act like Daniel Snyder is Nikki Barnes. And again, release that email chain. Because let's just say, right, Dan Snyder just has this impenetrable force field. And so the NFL can't do anything to harm him. Bruce Allen is fired. What do you think was in those emails? 
You know what it was. But I don't want to regurgitate because I talked about this in the previous, you know, transition from halftime. I talked about Washington's kind of dealings in this. The idea that they, and again, it's clear they're former football team players who have said they were reached out in late September to, to honor Sean Taylor. The idea that it just so happens to fall this week and they were completely, either they A, threw this shit together or B, were rocked so heavily by these stories, they completely forgot that, yo, this weekend, we're honoring one of our most beloved players. Literally the one person, the one player throughout the Snyder era who was able to give this fan base something to cheer about and despite the fact that it was tragically taken away. Sean Taylor is beloved. You can't overstate it. And this is the week that you forget because your bullshit finally caught up to you. It's either one or the other. It's either they threw this together and they're using Sean Taylor as cover, but we have heard from multiple former players to say, no, I have been contacted weeks ago, maybe a month ago. So, okay, then if it's not that, it's that they literally just forgot. Because don't tell me, don't tell me that you are going to wait till Thursday to announce to the fans that one of the most beloved players ever is going to be retired, an honor only bestowed upon three other former players on this team. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So it's your incompetence or your incompetence. Which one? I'll let you choose. This team is a disgrace. And they just continue to be allowed to run amok. I am born in Richmond, Virginia, which basically for football purposes is just DC South. So many Burgundy and Gold fans as I came up. My mom, my half of my family were Burgundy and Gold fans. I remember the pride. My father, God bless the day, he was a Cowboys fan. I remember the back and forth, the fun rivalry between the two. And let's not act like the Cowboys have been the, the staple of success. But they've had runs. And Jerry is shut up. And you see what's going on in Dallas now. How long do you think it's going to last if Snyder stays on? How long do you think it'll be before Washington can look like Dallas looks? Say whatever you want about the Cowboys. God knows there's plenty of shit to say there too. And I'm not trying to act like Jerry Jones is somehow the saint. He's not. All of these dudes who own NFL teams, NBA teams, baseball teams, hockey teams, whatever, they all cut from the same cloth, maybe with one or two exceptions. So I'm not trying to take it there. But just in terms of competence, look at where Washington is. And look at the... The Eagles have a Super Bowl, been to another Super Bowl, been to multiple conference championship games. The, the Giants have multiple Super Bowls. The only team in their division who you would say is a rival would be Dallas. And look how large that gap is between those two teams. It's a disgrace. 
It's an absolute disgrace. And it's so bad, all you can do is laugh. Fucking Adam Schefter is calling Bruce Allen his editor. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, all of these things are happening this, these last seven days or whatever. All of these things are happening. And they're all related to Washington. And their big coup de grace, their big crescendo is to say, yeah, Sean Taylor, we honoring him. Come on down. By the way, you'll have three days hit notice. By the way, we're playing the Chiefs. Good luck. <laughs> what? What? Why? Everyone who touches even the smallest part of Ashburn comes off just toxic credibility in ruins every single person i saw joe gibbs 2.0 i remember the one of the greatest nfl coaches ever calling timeouts and back-to-back -back plays i remember i remember all of the oh oh no one can escape it Look at Ron Rivera. He's out here, don't know shit. He's alluding to the fact that it may not have been a, the best thing for them to have won the division last year. That's shit that fans say. And whether you can convince yourself that a, there's some merit to that, what head coach is going to say, man, I wish we didn't win as much? Because that's essentially what he's saying. What? Al Saunders? Remember that? Alex Smith, God bless that man, because he almost lost his life. No one had anything negative to ever say about Alex Smith. And look what happened his first year in D.C. Bruh. No one gets out of Ashburn clean. It's a fucking squid game. It's insane. It's insane, and they just continue to run them up unchecked. And again, I don't know who can stop them. Actually, that's not true. You have every single investigative sports reporter trying to crack the code to find more of these emails. If you wanted Dan Snyder done, I'm sure there's enough ammunition and 650,000 emails or whatever fucking number y'all got that you could you could give some pretty good damage. And yet the NFL just protects him, protects a team that is literally going out of their way to ruin the legacy. There was a report out of the Washington Post that shows over Dan Snyder's tenure how the ratings for that team has completely fallen off a cliff. What's being done? Nothing. You know what's going to happen? Public funded stadiums. As if that's going to do anything. If the NFL, Roger Goodell, whomever, allow for the people of D.C., Maryland, and or Virginia to pay for a stadium for Dan Snyder, that should be... I want to use my words carefully. And, you know, we having fun. 
So I'm not going to OD too much. But when I say people should, I don't want to say run wild in the streets, but there should be some type of significant repercussion if that is the way the NFL and the Washington football team decide to move forward. This is a joke. There's one thing just to be bad. The Washington football team, they're, they've long since been bad. They're comfortable in their awfulness. They are a disgrace. They are reprehensible. They've had sexual harassment, incredible, multiple, significant, large numbers of sexual harassment claims, had an investigation, and the findings of said investigation will not be made public. And the reason was because they wanted to protect the women. The women are like, fuck that, release the emails. We not stupid. A travesty, a, dis a disgrace, an abomination. Whatever adjective you want to use, it's all of it. And it all talks and it all traces back to one man in one area, Ashburn, Virginia and Daniel Snyder. It, it is a disgrace. Adam fucking Schefter caught a stray. But Dan Snyder can still keep his team. John Gruden is giving it up. Racist, misogynistic, homophobic, whatever. He's coaching. Oh, one of his best players literally just came out. And he bounced. Mark Davis, he ain't got nothing to say. Nobody has anything to say. We all know why this happened. Because they found out he called Roger Goodell a name. Roger Goodell got mad and he was like, all right, we're going to slow burn. We're going to release these little things until it's too uncomfortable for you. You saw Mark Davis said, hey, ask the NFL. They've got all the answers. Jerry Jones isn't saying anything about John Gruden. Mark Davis isn't saying, no one's saying anything about John Gruden. And that would be fine if you actually put the target on the men's backs who need to be gone even before awful-ass John Gruden. And make no mistake, this is no sympathy, no bail being shot his way. But understand, John Gruden is a fucking nobody. He's a fucking nobody. He was a creation at the hands of the NFL machine and ESPN. They believed his own hype. Fuck him. He's nobody. But when you've got the Jerry Joneses, when you've got, well, Jerry Richardson, I know he's dead, but you know, y'all know how he was giving up the McNairs, all these people who are associated with this team. And then you got Daniel Snyder. I don't give a fuck about the head coach. I don't have to see John Gruden ever again in my life. I love the, the football product, however. And each week, it is, a, it is a chore to suppress and put aside everything that we know exists with this organization, everything that we know exists with this league. Had to eat the shit with Cap, and it took me a long time to swallow that pill. Stop asking us to do this shit over and over again. And if you are a Washington football fan, somebody, please stop asking that fan base, a once rich and proud fan base, to stop having to look at Dan Snyder 
while they begrudgingly go to a product that they know is trash and then have to feel shame because their favorite team is a pathetic excuse for an organization. Do the fucking right thing. <laughs> you understand? Whatever, check. But this is enough. This is enough. Three days notice for Sean Taylor, seven months for Coldplay. Call it a coincidence, call it whatever you like. It's bullshit. A day that which should have, first off, this should have already happened years ago. Retiring Sean Taylor, years ago. But you're finally doing it with this cloud over that organization's head. Are you serious? <laughs> if you're a fan of this team, you have to laugh to keep from crying. The problem is I have no idea when the end is in sight. Let me know what you guys think. Dan Snyder, John Gruden, ESPN, Adam Schefter, whatever. It's been a week. It's been a week. So much material for me. Again, I started recording this Sunday morning after the fight. Little did I know that the fight, that was my first quarter. Look what happened on Monday. <laughs> Look what happened on Sunday afternoon. Bruh. Bruh. I'm having a ball doing this show. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Again, email me with any of your thoughts or concerns. I'm at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E show. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books, which means we are down to our last topic. And you know what? Enough of the bullshit. There's actually things to be happy about, praising about when it comes to the NFL. It's a group of young, phenomenal quarterbacks. And it's a very, very harsh reality between the haves and the have-nots. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth quarter. You know, in football, it's it feels as if it's been a long time since we've had this many talented quarterbacks who are young. You know, I was a, a little boy. I'm born in 82. So what was the, the, the huge QB draft, right, with Elway and Esiason and Jim Kelly and maybe a Marino. I don't remember, but like 86, something like that. We've had so many years where people said this was the next year, and it was RG3 and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson. And before then, it was Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. And, you know, there have been some times where in the one class, it was obviously Eli and Rivers and Big Ben. And I'm not saying that we've had the level of that depth in one draft though we did have uh josh and lamar and then also baker but that's kind of where i want to sit at right now baker specifically because when you look at this crop of quarterbacks who are dominating right now the young guys and let's put mahomes into his own level right he's already been an mvp he's already been in two super bowls won a Super Bowl. But we now have Lamar Jackson, MVP. We now have Justin Herbert, who many people say that he's the best. And I like Justin Herbert, don't get me wrong. I think we are getting a little bit carried away when I hear people say that 
if they would pick any one player, they'd pick him right now over anyone. We literally were just talking about how Patrick Mahomes is greater than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right? We literally just did that. We have Josh Allen, who is as athletic and has as strong of an arm as any of them. You look around the quarterbacks, you have Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, who may be the league MVP, the last quarterback of the or the quarterback of the last unbeaten teams. He's dominating and he does it in a way. He's Russell Wilson on steroids almost, right? You look at all of these young guys and you you're reminded like, "Oh shit. Out like where's the number 1 guy?" Mind you, I haven't even talked about Deshaun Watson. We don't even know what Deshaun is even going to be. Mind you, Tank for Tua, I'm not talking about that. Trevor Lawrence, Sunshine, I'm not talking about him. Kyler Murray, I think he may have actually been the number one overall pick. But there were legit questions about if he's a great quarterback. We know about the criticism of Lamar. There were criticisms about Josh. Justin Herbert was, what, number sixth? Justin wasn't even the number one quarterback taken in his draft. And then we know about Patrick. You are looking at an amazing, and with with the exception of what? Kyler, they're all in the AFC. Like, this is amazing. Josh Allen, AFC East. Lamar Jackson, AFC North. Patrick Mahomes, AFC West, Justin Herbert, AFC West. Like this is this is the potential to have be a golden age of of quarterbacking. Because if I were to ask you, what player in the AFC outside of those guys are going to represent the team or represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Who would you pick, if not Josh, Patrick, Lamar? Or Justin <clears throat> Baker, and that's really the dilemma, you know, because Baker is a number former number one overall pick, and Baker looks the part, and his team is one, and you've done all the kind of boxes, but there's something there that you're kind of like, eh, I don't know, and this not to say that Baker is not a good quarterback. No, 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 not at all. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than most quarterbacks in the league, but he's finally reached that payday, and he's not like Lamar, and Lamar hasn't been paid yet. I don't know what the hell Baltimore's thinking. Show that man the money. He's not like Josh Allen. Josh Allen just got paid. He's not like Justin Herbert, who will get paid, and he damn sure ain't Patrick Mahomes, who broke the bank. It's easy, it's fun to look at the Lamars, the Patricks, the Justins, the Kylers, the Joshes. But there's always going to be the velvet rope. It's funny, you know, the NBA, they're getting ready to do their top 75 players of all time. Imagine how painful it is to be number 76. Great in your own right, but you are first in line to see the list, to see the line get cut off right in front of your face. That ain't, that don't feel good. And that's a lot of ways 
in a lot of ways, that's how I feel about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a damn good quarterback. I remember being in D.C., people talking about Kirk Cousins and how great Kirk Cousins is, and Kirk Cousins has great stats. But, yeah, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Kirk Cousins, for sure. They're, like, in that top 13-ish range. Still very good. You can win with him. But can you win with him getting paid like a top-five quarterback? Because it's hard to tell number 13 that you're not top 12. It's hard to tell number top number 76 he's not 75. And they all want to get paid like they're top 10. They're going to be hard choices, hard decisions. And the Cleveland Browns are staring at one right now. Their team is very good. Phenomenal rushing attack, phenomenal defense, very good offensive line. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about Dak. I'm, I'm naming all these quarterbacks, and Dak's obviously not as young as these guys, but still a young quarterback. So you have all these young guys, all these guys who are literally playing like MVP candidates, and then you have Baker. The former number one overall pick, the guy who's been able to win in Cleveland, A guy who's been able to win in Cleveland. We know about the history of that organization, the Browns. But does it feel like you, he's the guy to propel? Justin Herbert's in his second year. I don't need to know anymore. I'm a believer. Patrick Mahomes is in, what, his fifth year? Fourth, fifth year? Didn't take that long to know what time it was with him. Kyler Murray, third year. We know what time it is with him. Just go down the list. A lot of these guys you know. You just know what it is. And even the ones who, quote, unquote, took a little bit longer than others, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, it may have took a little bit longer than Justin and Patrick. But when you knew, you knew. I don't know if anybody knows about Baker. Sam Darnold. So many people believed in Sam Darnold. He was this. He was that. The best process. All of this stuff. And I still don't know. Go down the line. Tank Fatua. The Dolphins have been actively trying to trade him, if you believe certain reports, for a guy who may not even be able to play. The NFL is built in a way that where they have they have convinced most that you need one of these guys to win. And I will say, though I don't believe that you need one of them to win, it makes your job a hell of a lot easier. So all of these teams spend picks and so much draft capital and so much money trying to convince themselves, their organization, their fan base that they have one. When in reality, it's not the case. Move Tom Brady aside because he's clearly not human. If you told me Patrick Mahomes, well, I've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. I believe Josh Allen can do it. I believe Lamar Jackson can do it, though he does it in very different ways than Justin Herbert would do it. I believe Dak, Dak Prescott, we talked about how crash or trash and crazy the Cowboys are, but do I believe that Dak Prescott has what it takes to lead a team 
Maybe not as crazy as the Cowboys, but do I think Dak has the, what it takes to lead the team to a championship? For sure. And you still got Aaron Rodgers just lurking around. You know he's going to be down there when it's all said and done. But what about Baker Mayfield? What about Tua Tango Valoya? What about Justin Fields? Hell, what about Matthew Stafford? I've got questions. And the honeymoon period with a lot of these guys are over. And at some point, you're going to have to make the decision. Do you have a Josh Allen or do you have a Baker Mayfield? Because though being top 76 of all time is great, ask the guy who's going to be the first left off the list how that feels. I'm guessing it's not that good. Hey, let me know what you guys think. Who are the best of the best of this new crop of NFL quarterbacks? And do you think they all have what it takes to win a Vince Lombardi trophy? I'm curious. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Hey, guys, thank you so much for rocking with me this week. It's been so much fun, so much to discuss. I will see you back here next week for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Y'all take it easy.